half the Sweet 16 punched their tickets on Saturday, including Andy, a pair of one seeds and two seeds. And we feel strongly about which of them has the best chance of bringing home a national championship. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome into the Locked on College Basketball Podcast, five times per week national college basketball show, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We are your hosts. He's Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade. And we want to thank you for joining us on what's probably a Sunday morning for you. Maybe you're eating brunch and (laughs) sipping a mimosa. This first weekend of the tournament is sadly almost coming to an end. Only eight more games Andy we gotta soak it up all kicks off at 12 10 Eastern coming up on the show eight teams advanced to the sweet 16 on Saturday including the fourth ever 15 seed we will get to each and every one of these starting at the very top with some one and two seeds so Andy between Houston and Alabama listen the the first two one seeds to play for a chance to go to the Sweet 16 just crapped the bed. Yeah. Thankfully, Houston and Alabama did not, yeah. as well as Texas and UCLA, two two seeds who also advanced. Houston crushed Auburn in the second half, a 27-point swing. My goodness. <laughs> Alabama blew out Maryland, and good news, Brandon Miller actually scored a point. And <laughs> while Texas and UCLA didn't necessarily blow out their opponents in the same way, they showed me, quite frankly, Andy, a yeah. lot of what it takes to have some of that national championship DNA on their team. And so I want to talk at least a little bit about each one of these games and or teams, and then each of us deliver which of these four we feel like right now in the immediate aftermath of Saturday's action, I guess that immediate aftermath of Bama, Maryland, the last game of Saturday, yeah. um, and, and where we are landing right now. So Andy, let's start. <laughs> with the earlier of the two games that happened in Birmingham with Houston, who was down 10 to Auburn at the half 41 to 31, and then went on uh, literally a 27 point swing in the second half to turn things around. Marcus Sasser and Jamal shed. We were worried about injuries for them. Both of them played 30 or more minutes. Both of them had, I thought strong stat lines to help (laughs) this team. What did you see from each of those guys that has you feeling comfortable and hopeful going forward? Yeah, what what a what a slate of games for starters on Saturday. So many fun so games true. for us so to watch. True. It was and so think, good. And I think like these four teams, Houston, Alabama, UCLA, Texas, I wish it could be the final four. It can't. It can't quite. One of Texas and Houston will have to play each other. One of those two teams, only one of them can advance to the final four, but we could get the rest of these teams and they all looked the part, I think, uh, on Saturday in the games that they played. Uh, sticking with Houston, yeah, I think for Marcus Pastor <laughs> and Jamal Shedd, the big news was just that they were there and that they played and that they were healthy. Uh, that was the biggest story coming into the game was was whether that was going to be the case. You know, we knew that Houston was going to have a hard time in a pseudo-road environment in Birmingham against an Auburn team that looked very good against Iowa and looked good in the first half here, but Marcus Sasser is just such a, a steadying presence, mm. a, a kind of a calming influence on this team. And, and he played great. He had 22 points, five of nine from beyond the arc for him. Jamal Shedd's numbers don't necessarily pop as much. 10 points, five assists, but really, really nice performance from both of them. I think when you look at Houston, when you watch what this team does defensively, they're just relentless. 
They're really, really athletic. They play a physical brand of basketball. They slow you down. Uh, they play slow on offense, but they can go get baskets when they need to. And I think we talk about guard play every single episode, and we're going to continue to talk about guard play every single episode because it is so unbelievably critical to success in March Madness. And Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser are two of the very best experienced guards in the country. They're on the same team. They're healthy now. To me, this Houston team, I mean, that second half against Auburn, Isaac, that was the best half of basketball that I have seen a single any team play in the NCAA tournament this year. When you consider all of the factors, you consider the injuries, and not even injuries for those guys. They both picked up their fourth foul like early in the second half. Those guys played a large chunk of this game with four fouls in a tough environment against a good team that was up at halftime, and they just dismantled them. In the second half, Auburn didn't do themselves a lot of favors. They shot 53% from the free throw line. That is not going to get it done. And and we've talked about Auburn's issues with some guard play this year, and it kind of cropped up. But at the end of the day, Houston looked like the best team in college basketball in this game and uh, in the second half of this game, I should say. And if they continue to play like that, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat them. Yeah, man, Shaq would cringe at that free throw (laughs) percentage. Um, Listen, Tremont Mark, if he can add – what he did on Saturday night to help out mm-hmm. Pastor and Shed and and, and mm-hmm. Walker and everybody, goodness yeah. gracious! I do think that that there was a Birmingham factor in the mm-hmm. first half, uh, but man, they they figured it out and unlocked yeah. something for that second half. And like you said, it was an absolute gritty win, especially for those who are um, Houston doubters because mm-hmm. of them playing in the AAC. I think yeah. uh, that second half was a win for the Houston and the AAC yeah. truthers. And so uh, you, you saw that tale of two halves. I think Houston is much more similar to the team we saw in the second half than the first for sure. Now in, in these other games, let's go to Alabama while we're just sitting at these top two one seeds mm-hmm. that are actually still left. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, Brandon Miller is great. He came back. Charles Bediaco, a crazy efficient night. The guy I want to talk about is Javon Quinterly, yeah. who was the leading scorer for Alabama in this game, was absolutely on fire down the stretch. But the reason I want to point it out is because uh, Jaden Bradley had gone to Coach Oates uh, during the SEC tournament and said, hey, listen, Javon Quinterly needs to be in the starting lineup. <laughs> Coach Oates listened to him, made yeah. the switch, and I think that alone – could be the thing that sends Alabama on to the national championship uh, to what 16 days from right now yeah. as we record this. That's pretty good math for 1206 on what's actually now Sunday. So you're welcome, <laughs> America. Um, but like, listen, there's just so many pieces to this mm-hmm. Alabama squad. And oh, let's not forget that it's their defense that is so yeah. wildly elite to go with that strong offense. And so, Andy, I. Uh, sounds like you're tipping your cards a little bit that maybe Houston is the team of these four that you're going to take. I am riding with Bama as the team of these four that I still feel great about. Plus they're the team I have in my bracket winning. So I got to back it up. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I like Bama's path right now. You know, I, I think Maryland was, was uh, an opponent that I felt comfortable that they would beat. And that's what ended up happening here. They gave up 11 points in the first four minutes and then just locked in after that 40 40- 40 points in the final 16 minutes uh, for Maryland in that game against Bama. And, and you look, they're going to have San Diego state next. We'll talk a little bit more about that game later. Uh, that's a, that's a, a pretty winnable game for them. No disrespect to the Aztecs, but I, I think that that's a, a good matchup for Alabama. After that, they get some, one of the three between Creighton Baylor and Princeton, uh, all good teams, but 
to me, Alabama is kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the teams that they're going to face on the path to the final four. Looking pretty good for my uh, Alabama Baylor regional final. Yeah, right. It's looking good. Looking good there. Uh, And, and, and Houston doesn't have as easy of a path. Like they're going to play either Miami or Indiana. Both those teams are, are good. Both those teams in my mind are better than San Diego state and, and present more of a matchup issue for Houston than I think San Diego state presents for Alabama. And, And then after that, Houston, if they do beat Miami or Indiana, oh, goody, they get a matchup against probably Texas, potentially Xavier or Pitt. That would be quite shocking. More likely, Houston has to get through either Miami or Indiana and Texas. That is a really, really hard path. So, yes, I love the Cougs. I'm not pretending that I don't. I think that when they are on and when they play like that, they can beat anybody in the country. But they are really going to have to prove it. Not that Alabama won't, but I think I like their path a little bit better in terms of getting to the final four. Yeah. Let's quickly hit on these other two, two seeds that we were talking about that are advancing along. And then we can move along in our discussion because it's late and we're tired, but we love talking <laughs> college basketball. UCLA does defeat Northwestern. It was great to get a Dembona back in the starting lineup, played 20 minutes, didn't mm-hmm. shoot much, but was a perfect three of three from the field. Yeah. Listen, Jaime Jaquez is taking this team and carrying them along on his back a week uh, to the day after they fell to Arizona in the Pac-12 championship game, they come and handle Northwestern well, a Northwestern team uh, led by Boo Booey. You love to see mm-hmm. that. But Andy, I think I want to hit on what Texas did because I thought at one point in the second half, they were just going to kind of slowly push out that lead and really run away from it. But Penn State, much to their credit, went on a 10-0 run to take a three-point lead. But here's what shows me some potential championship DNA from Texas. They responded literally immediately with a 10-0 run of their own. And oh, by the way, didn't miss a field goal the rest of the game Mm -hmm. at that point. And you you and I have talked about this quite a bit, but we feel like any multitude of guys on this roster can go for 20 on any given night. And mostly we've been talking about the backcourt. Dylan Dylan DeSue has been on a roll lately, and it was his... 28 points in this game to pace the team. And oh, by the way, how many times do we have to say it? Hire Rodney Terry right stinking now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, for me, I think one of the big stories of this game for Texas was the lack of outside shooting. And they didn't need it <laughs> because they got a win. But they're uh, going and, to. And I know that I focus on, on their outside shooting quite a bit. But I mean, they, they made one three in this game. They were one for 13 from three. Jabari Rice made five threes in the first half of their first <laughs> NCAA tournament game. As a team, they made five, or excuse me, one in this game. That kind of inconsistency is going to be an issue. I think Texas absolutely has championship DNA. I like the phrase that you use there. Uh, you. But if they make one three-pointer against Houston, I do not think that they win. It is a very hard recipe for success. Houston's going to, they have the athletes, they have the size to hang with Texas. If Texas can, and the, I mean, it's going to be a defensive battle between those two teams. First to 50 probably wins if that ends up being the matchup. But to me, that's something that Texas is going to need to display. Maybe, I mean, they only took 13 in this game. It's not like they were bombing a whole bunch of threes. And, and, and you like to see that. that. Yeah, and I think that that's fine that they they attack. I mean, Dylan D'Souza is, is a post player. They attack with him. They let him kind of operate down low, but... To me, the, the inconsistency we've seen uh, from, from them is, is something that, that concerns me for their long-term kind of viability. And then for UCLA, I'll hit on quickly. Uh, obviously, the injuries are a big factor for them. Yep. Uh, yep. David Singleton turned his ankle at the end of the game. It looked right. 
horrendous <laughs> on film. I mean, it looked so bad. The reports we're hearing again, we're recording this shortly after that game ended, but the reports we're hearing are that he is going to be okay. We will Straight see news. what that ends up yeah. looking like. Hopefully that is the case. They do not need any more injuries on that team, but a uh, third straight sweet 16 appearance for the Bruins. They got either Gonzaga, they got Gonzaga or TCU, and then potentially a matchup with UConn uh, or St. Mary's after that. So pretty tough path for the Bruins. Uh, I, I, again, I think that Alabama and Houston have the best championship DNA. That's why they're the one seeds, but both <laughs> Texas and UCLA advancing the sweet 16 they're They're as good as just about anybody else left. Hey, and, Andy, sorry. In a word. Between those two two seeds, Texas and UCLA, who do you trust right now more to make it to the Final Four? UCLA. I'm okay. going to take UCLA uh, because they have continued to win despite <laughs> some of the adversity that they have faced, and I, like I think that, that they, uh, yeah, I think that they have the abilities. I think they both do, quite honestly, but I think UCLA has got a really good chance. I love it. I want Texas. So we're divided Perfect. on the ones. We're divided on the twos. Can't love wait it. to see who's right. <laughs> Isaac, two of the game's biggest, bluest blue bloods were eliminated on Saturday in Duke and Kansas. Meanwhile, the Tigers, not the Auburn Tigers, mind you, not the Missouri Tigers, the Princeton Tigers are going to the Sweet 16. What? Let's discuss all of that. But first, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Built Bar. The Built Bar March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the Churro Bar, and if you want your favorite team to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lo lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will get a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. you got to try Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they are so amazing. You will not think they're good for you. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're high in protein, they're low in sugar, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So head over to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. All right, Isaac, a handful other results that we wanted to discuss from Saturday evening. The first one, I think it was the... Second game of the day. I was going to say it's the opener, but no, San Diego State was the opener. The second game of the day, number four seed, Tennessee, number five seed, Duke. And I feel like this was a shocking result. Shocking maybe is an extreme word, but it was a an unexpected result, despite the fact that Tennessee was the higher seed. It was a four seed versus a five seed. I don't think any result out of those two matchups should necessarily be surprising, but Man, talk about teams kind of converging in totally different places. Duke came into this tournament with an immense amount of momentum. They were healthy. They rolled through the ACC. They were a very trendy pick for the Elite Eight for the Final Four. Yours truly included in that conversation. Same. Same. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tennessee, no Zakai Ziegler, had some ugly losses towards the end of the year. We have maintained our do not trust Tennessee conversation. And I still do. I still do. Still do, but... But guess what? Not on they Saturday. Not only advanced, beat Duke, one of the best teams in that region, by a landslide. They now have a very clear path, and I don't want to diminish anything from Florida Atlantic or Fairleigh Dickinson. But 
Tennessee is going to play one of those two teams with the chance to move on from there. And that's a nice advantage for the Vols. What did you see in this game and kind of what were your thoughts about this matchup going into it and how it kind of shook out? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm right with you. This was shocking because Duke Duke was actually favored here three and a half on FanDuel. Yeah. Um, but I, I think part of it was we learned like just in the in the time leading up to game time that Mark Mitchell had injured his knee in practice on Friday. And so then consequently missed Saturday's game. He's been a key role um, for Duke. Andy, I know you've been particularly mm-hmm. in on Mitchell yeah. down the stretch here. And so because of that, Coach Shire went with a very, very tight rotation mm-hmm. for a lot of this game. But um, for me, this was all about Olivier Kamwa. Yeah. Um, like what he just did. <laughs> yeah, right. What a game. Just did everything mm-hmm. offensively for Tennessee down the stretch. And Listen, the reason we talk about we don't trust Tennessee isn't because they can't do things. Mm-hmm. It's that there will be times when you'll have this type of performance from Kamwa. Yeah. And then there will be times when they just can't hit the broadside of a barn. They can't yeah. hit the ocean standing on the beach. Mm-hmm. But, man, like that that putback dunk he had yeah. to, to punctuate the yeah. game and kind of close out the scoring mm-hmm. was really, really impressive. 27 uh, and 5 in this game on 10 mm-hmm. of 12 shooting. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous he had 13 straight of Tennessee's points at one moment and so I I just I know it's weird because of the seed lines but this is maybe the most shocking result of Saturday not not Mm -hmm. Princeton winning not you know any of the other upsets not Kansas losing Mm -hmm. this to me was the most shocking result what about you Andy what did you see in this game Yeah, I I think we saw that Tennessee's defense is as elite as we kind of knew that it was, and they found a really good strategy for being able to shut down Duke in ways that that many other teams have tried and failed to do. Uh, I think one of the the notable numbers on Duke for this season is that when they are at full health, they went 19-1. and But when they are not at full health, they went 8-8. and So is that an excuse that John Shire is going to use? Absolutely not. Should it be? No, probably not. But it is a factor that this team, when healthy, was clearly very, very good. And they just didn't have that health throughout the season. So uh, shout out to Tennessee. I think this is a nice win for them. I'm still apprehensive about kind of their path necessarily. Again, I think they get to the Elite Eight, then they're going to play some combination of of either Marquette or Kansas State or Kentucky or Michigan State. Uh, still a lot to be kind of determined there. Uh, this is, of course, assuming Tennessee advances past either Florida Atlantic <laughs> or Fairleigh Dickinson, which I'm not going to assume, not because of a, a uh, distrust of Tennessee necessarily, but more like <laughs> we can't assume anything in this tournament this year. Uh, it has been as crazy as we've ever seen it. So uh, I do want to talk about the other matchup here that you kind of alluded to, and it's shocking that we're this far into the show and talking about Kansas losing. Um, there were so many crazy things that have happened uh, in this four-day stretch of time that that this kind of got buried a little bit. But Eric Musselman taking his shirt off, celebrating <laughs> after the game like he does. Uh, but this was a really nice win for the Razorbacks here. Uh, we talked. What was you know, he doing? <laughs> it's, it's what he does, man. It's his thing. It's his thing. I know. <laughs> Brandy so, Chastain is mad somewhere. <laughs> we kind of talked about Kansas potentially getting a bad draw in the West region, having UCLA, having Gonzaga, having UConn, all being teams that they might have to face. But doesn't even matter and you know I was high on Arkansas even kind of with the rocky start to the season with the injury to Trevon Brazil and, and the kind of 
struggles to acclimate Nick Smith when he got healthy, uh, which is still an issue for Arkansas, quite honestly. But I, I thought they might run through the SEC tournament and make a run there. They didn't do that. So then I was kind of out on them. And I told you, I texted you this. Uh, <laughs> I wish that I had actually stuck with this because I looked at this matchup and I thought, man, there is a real chance that Arkansas could pull an upset over Kansas. And I didn't end up picking it on the bracket, but I'm not shocked that this happened. To be honest, I'm really not. And, and Kansas is the team I picked to win the national championship. You would think that I would <laughs> be shocked to see my national champion lose this early, but th- it felt like this was the kind of thing that could have happened to Kansas in this game. Arkansas, again, Nick Smith didn't do anything. They won this game without like, – Nick Smith was, was one of the worst players on the floor from a lot of the plus-minus numbers. He did not have a productive game. <laughs> But the rest of this team was so, so good. Ricky Council is just a machine. They He was getting to the free throw line at the end of the game and just put this thing on ice for the Hogs. Really impressive win for them. They're back in the Sweet 16. They'll get a chance against, I believe, either UConn or St. Mary's. Uh, both very, very good teams. Both teams that are higher seeded than Arkansas. But, man, I would not be surprised. And, and I know that any Gonzaga fans listening are like, oh, are you telling me that Gonzaga are going to have to potentially play UCLA and then Arkansas, two teams they've played in the tournament very recently? But it might be the situation because this Hawks team is very good. Yes, indeed, they are. Can't believe Kansas bows out and um, w- without Bill Self on the sideline, by the way. And so, uh, man, mm-hmm. we just continue to think and hope the best for him in his recovery, which he'll have time to do more quickly now. <laughs> I kind of hate to say that, but uh, I mean, the humanity of it has to come in yeah. at times. Andy, I, I know we need to blow by these games a little bit, but San Diego State does what they're supposed to do against Furman on Saturday, blows them out 75 to 52. I do like saying what you said about how have we not talked about the Kansas yeah. losing yet? How have we not talked about Princeton winning yet? Yeah. For just the fourth time yeah. in the history of the NCAA tournament since it expanded to 64 teams in 1985, a 15 seed is moving on to the Sweet 16 or further. Now, interestingly enough, Andy, not only have we had a 15 seed advance to the round of 32 each of the past three tournaments, we've now had a team, a 15 seed, advance to the Sweet 16 yeah. each of the last three tournaments, including St. Peter's making it on to mm-hmm. the Elite Eight last year, the only 15 seed that's ever done that. And so, listen, here's, here's the story. Kobe Brown has had a great year for Missouri. They yeah. have far far exceeded any expectations in the first year of coach gates congratulations mizzou you should be so proud of yourself yeah but princeton dominated this game andy they had a double digit lead midway through the first half and they never looked back man and they just Mm -hmm. honestly they just flat out beat mizzou Mm -hmm. in this game and so congrats they're moving on. Got some Ivy League in the second weekend of the tournament. Any thoughts on either of those before we move on? Just a shout out to Princeton. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a larger conversation to be had, and we got a whole long off season coming our way yes. in a few weeks that we can talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> but there's a larger conversation about the transfer portal and some of the ways that it might be 
allowing us to see more of these upsets because I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the the two one sixteen upsets happened in the last five years and that we're seeing this this run of fifteen seeds having success. It's not a coincidence. I don't believe that. I doubt you believe that. Uh, and we can have a longer conversation about it another time. But uh, it, it sure is fun, isn't it? It really is. And Andy, what a great plug. Folks, stay with us all offseason long. We'll be with you five days a week, bringing you all the best college basketball content. Oh, Andy, the Big Ten is Big Tenning in this NCAA tournament. They started with eight teams, and we only have two less. A disaster on Saturday, 0 for 3, dropping all of their games and leaving the conference with just two of their eight teams remaining. What is it about this conference that keeps them from succeeding in March? We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is here, and now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app right now. Safe, it's secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores or anything else. If you're wondering about the lines for Sunday's games, well, go to my Twitter. I always post the daily schedule, including all of the fan line, FanDuel lines for the day. So go check that out right now. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn all about it. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Andy, the Big Ten <laughs> gets eight teams into this year's NCAA tournament. They lost three in the first round. They lost three on Saturday. They have two left to play on Sunday, meaning that right now the Big Ten is in serious and real danger of having zero teams advance to the Sweet 16 out of eight that were in the tournament altogether. Their current record is five and six. Their record as favorites is four and two. Their records as underdogs is one and four. So that kind of makes sense. But the yeah. fact that six of these eight teams have already bowed out frankly, bewilders me. Um, and uh, listen, I know we can't make broad sweeping statements about a conference because the NCAA tournament legitimately is about matchups. But at some point, the losses have to count and matter and add up. Give me your thoughts. I think with the Big Ten, I think part of it is, yeah, you don't want to generalize entire conferences. And certainly you see that happen all too often. The Mountain West discourse this year yeah. uh, has been pretty loud. San Diego State has quieted it quite a bit by, by advancing to the Sweet 16. But, uh, you know, the SEC is having a great season. Uh, the Big East is having a very, very nice uh, productive season. There's been a lot of conversation about how the WCC has more teams left than the Pac-12. <laughs> um, and and that, that, you know, that's been a conversation for the and equal to the while. big 10 yes exactly but i think the big 10 in particular like they have an identity and like there are schools in the pac-12 that play different styles of basketball like look at arizona and ucla those two teams play completely different styles and they're the top two teams in that conference i mean wcc is not a power conference but <laughs> gonzaga and st mary's could not play more different styles <laughs> and you see that a lot across a lot of other you know there's a lot of teams in the sec that are kind of rock fight teams and there's teams like alabama that are a little bit less like that but the big 10 kind of lumped themselves together 
like they all do play a similar style. And so I think like when you try to avoid lumping <laughs> conferences together, it's hard to avoid doing that when you're talking about a conference that does seem to kind of play the same style of basketball. And it's, it's not working when they get in the NCAA tournament. I mean, there's, there's not any other way to, to say that right now, Indiana is left and they, if they beat Miami, they will advance to the sweet 16 Michigan state is left. They have to beat Marquette. That is not going to be an easy game for Tom Izzo. I don't ever want to completely count Tom Izzo out. So I'm not going to say that there is zero chance that they advance because there absolutely is a chance that they advance, but that's a tough game for them. And quite frankly, Indiana, even as a higher seed, I think they have a really tough matchup against a really good Miami team that is healthy now, uh, that has Omir back, that of course has that phenomenal backcourt with a lot of experience. So we could very clearly be, very easily be looking at a situation where the Big Ten put eight teams into a 68-team <laughs> field and did not bring a single one of them to the Sweet 16. That is horrendous. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it could. It could and to me, I think the similar style of play that these teams have, the the kind of rock fights, slow down the basketball, a lot of physicality, the Big Ten officiating kind of allows them to play a, a more physical style of basketball that when they get into other games and they start playing teams that that maybe spread them out a little bit more and play a different style and are more run and gun potentially or or even just you know, just, just different, just different from the style they're used to playing in conference, you see those teams start to struggle, you know, produce a little bit of a separate situation. They're, they're had the really youth, youth situation in the backcourt that I think really ha hampered them in a lot of ways, but <clears throat> the big 10 hasn't won since 2001. Like, it's not like 2000, this is a, 2000. 2000, 2000. It's not like this is a Let's brand new worse. thing. <laughs> like this is, this has been an issue for them. And again, the PAC 12 hasn't won since 1997. Like it's not just the big 10, but they have a similar style. The style doesn't work in March. We continually see this conference get eight, nine, 10. I mean, a lot of teams into the NCAA tournament and rarely see them after the first weekend. And at some point you got to start figuring like, Hey, there's, this is probably a pattern for a reason. And, I, and to me, I think the style of play in that conference lends itself to a lot of early exits. Yeah. I, I think you're really onto something there with like, let's just get some new styles in like, mm -hmm. um, like let's just a quick football comparison with it. Wisconsin mm -hmm. hired yeah. North Carolina's offensive coordinator this off season mm -hmm. who, you know, North Carolina is known for a like kind of air raid offense. Mm -hmm. And so Wisconsin brings them in. It's like, what on earth are they doing? Well, what we're doing doesn't work. So let's get something new. Like who's going to be that innovator. Who's going to come in and be the one to say, man, forget this. I want to learn something from Nate Oates and how Alabama just plays this quite wildly different. So like threes and layups and defend like crazy. Like who's going to do that? Somebody, somebody who is willing to take that kind of risk mm -hmm. is going to be the one to lead out in the big 10. And I'm waiting to see, frankly, who's mm -hmm. willing and able to take that leap of faith. And in the transfer portal era, you could do that in one offseason. There's yeah. no reason you couldn't do that. And so I, I think it's just somebody doing it. And so, mm -hmm. Andy, I, I think you're spot on by mm -hmm. saying that. And, um, I mean, the pieces are that there's a lot of innovative and great coaches in the Big Ten, mm -hmm. but somebody's got to be the one to pull the trigger. Um, now, as to these two teams remaining, mm -hmm. I'm – listen, this Indiana-Miami matchup, so mm -hmm. Indiana's a one-and-a-half-point favorite – that's my favorite matchup of Sunday. I cannot wait to see that game. Um, and uh, Marquette, Michigan State should be really interesting. I, mm -hmm. I, I, that's a bigger spread. I think it's four and a half that mm -hmm. Marquette is favored by. But I could see, honestly legitimately see either team winning that game. Yeah. should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And so hopefully we don't have to record Monday show saying, well, 
<laughs> we got a Sweet 16, and there are zero goose egg Big Ten teams in it. Be interesting to find out. Yeah, and with the Big Ten, I, I think the a part of it too is getting those coaches and then keeping them. Because <laughs> you you look at like Penn State, Micah Shrewsbury. Micah Shrewsbury. He, he's an innovative coach. He's a new coach. He's bringing a kind of a different vibe. Penn State has a good season. As of right now, we don't know if Shrewsbury is going to be back, but it feels like there's a good chance he's not. And and so that's the kind of thing too. You got to get these coaches. You got to keep these coaches, and you got to try try some new things. We'll see if anybody in the Big Ten, like you said, is is willing to make that change. All right, Isaac. Another day, another show, another slate of basketball games coming our way on Sunday. Eight fantastic games. Indiana-Miami is a phenomenal one. We got Gonzaga-TCU. We got a handful of other just excellent, excellent basketball games going to be played on Sunday. I can't wait to come back on Monday, talk about all those games. Stick with us, Locked On College Basketball. You can find it on YouTube. You can hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave a comment. Leave a review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, all of that good stuff we are having an absolute blast and we'll sleep in april and, and probably not a much until then i'm very excited about it uh for now though peace peace out